Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Alexis, en el descuento ha marcado el Arsenal como viene siendo habitual esta temporada. Gol de Alexis, 1-0 Arsenal. This is Arscast Extra. Are we on? Are we on? We are on. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to uh, an Arscast Extra, as always with uh, James from Gunnerblog. Hello. Uh, and it's live. Live. <laughs> Did anyone watch on Sky Sports yesterday? Martin Tyler, his and it's live was preposterous. <laughs> Honestly, it was ridiculous. It's like he knew that we'd been taking the mic out of it all week. <laughs> he was a secret listener. He just screamed it into his microphone. Well, it's funny you should say that because uh, Martin... Uh, no. <laughs> Our first guest. No. no. Um, hello, thanks for coming, guys. Yes, thank you very much indeed. It's great to see you all. It's kind of weird doing a podcast seeing you all because we're... We're happy to hide behind computer screens. Genuinely, normally, I do this in my pants. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew likes to record very early in the morning, like yeah. 10 a.m., way too early for me. Uh, so I've just got up. But this is the garage. We're at the garage in Highbury and Islington. Um, it's a music venue, predominantly. Yes, which is why we're, we're going to sing a bit later on. Yeah, <laughs> all that to come. <laughs> and apparently, normally, like the musicians who are on here... Like, they, they request, like, quite amazing riders and stuff. I feel like we really let this opportunity slip through our fingers. Yeah, yeah, we were discussing it earlier. What should we have asked for? You know, like, M&Ms with all the green ones taken out. Yeah, puppies. Or... Andrew wanted puppies. Yeah. Apparently there was, like, a heavy metal band on here recently, and they requ- requested six buckets of pig's blood. Yeah. So, to each their own. Yeah. Um, but anyway. I feel like we've missed out on the pig's blood opportunity. Yeah, screw that in, in a big way. Um, we, we should talk a little bit, uh, as we normally do after a, a big win, about what misfortune befell you. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, as regular listeners to the podcast will know, uh, good news for Arsenal generally coincides with bad news in my life. Uh, <laughs> the FA Cup win was preceded by uh, the broken wrist. Um, I didn't speak about it too much on the podcast, but the signing of Petr Cech, you may have thought that Thomas Radzicki had something to do with that, Arsene Wenger maybe had a word. Actually, it was because I broke up with my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, taking one for the team, as ever. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, this weekend, Arsenal's victory over Man U. Not to do with high pressing, not to do with United's sort of slightly dodgy back four. In fact, because on Saturday, I was robbed and lost my phone. So... Genuinely worried that Arsenal might win the league or Champions League because that could only result in my death. Yeah. I cannot foresee another circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for our listeners at home, the audience seemed fine with that. So, yes. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. 
Um, yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, it's been a good weekend all around. There's been some good stuff happening on the football pitch. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed yesterday uh, a great deal. Uh, I was sitting almost in front of you. You were in the press box. Hello. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, w- when we score, I like, to, I-, I like to share the moment. I like to enjoy the moment with those around me. So rather than just sort of jump up and down, staring at the pitch and doing what the play, I like to turn around. And sort of, yeah, and like a high five with the guy behind me. Right. It's good. Yeah. It's, like it's the, normal. It's yeah. fine. Just, just mates hugging. So the first goal goes in. I'm like, yeah, and I'm jumping up. And I'm, yeah, 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 with this guy. And then I notice this guy standing sort of there two rows back. And he's a bit like, uh, I don't know. I'm going, there's something a bit dodgy about it. Mm. Yeah, you know, mm. that was a fucking deadly goal. Mm. And you're not celebrating one bit. Yeah. I'm suspicious of you. Okay. So the second goal goes in, and I'm just, yeah, jumping up and down with this guy here, and I'm looking at this guy, and he's like, he's even less impressed. Uh. And so at, at this thinking, point, Andrew's got Sherlock here. No, something's <laughs> all right. Columbo <laughs> just senses something's not quite right. Yeah. My spider senses were tingling. Okay, you're all tingling. Yeah, so I thought, you know, next time we score, I'm going to have to... So We score the third, <laughs> Alexis. I didn't even bother. I just whipped straight around, and the guy's standing there like that, and I'm going... <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't enjoy that a bit. No. Not one bit. Even less than the goals, I think. But he couldn't say anything, obviously, because he was there as... Uh, incognito. Uh, yeah, he wasn't very incognito. <laughs> Yeah, did he stay the whole game? He did stay the whole game. Good, yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike some of our fans. Yeah, but, to be fair. You know, but at least you committed. And my other good story of the game was a guy who came all the way from India um, to, to watch the game uh, with his friend. He's gone back to India. I invited him tonight because he had an unfortunate experience. Uh, 3-0 up at halftime. He thought this would be a, a, a great moment to go out onto the concourse and have a cigarette. And he got fucked out of the stadium at halftime. No, no way. Yeah. yeah. At least he hadn't come far. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> he got thrown out. I was going, he didn't miss much anyway. He uh, saw all the good bits. To be fair, second half, I mean, I could take it or leave it, to be honest. <laughs> it, was all, it was all in that first 45 minutes. It was, yeah. It's really um, important and of course, you know, a weekend where uh, other things have happened. Jose Mourinho had a... Uh, he ate a moment or two, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, lots of people seem Wouldn't to like Wouldn't it be like great Jose. if he could take over from me and it could be his misfortune that coincided <laughs> with Arsenal's success? Yeah, I, look. Come on, gods, make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you meant take over on the podcast. And I, I was mean, thinking that. I, I don't think I could cope with that. No. Really. <laughs> Jose, you want to record? No, I'm, I'm five minutes late, ten minutes late. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can get a few seven-minute monologues out of him. <laughs> That's it. It's my turn to talk now. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Nobody cares about you. But that was funny. It was funny. Yeah. It was funny. And what about poor Brendan as well? Poor Brendan. I'm very concerned. Yeah. Animos Brendan, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a bit worried about this because I thought he was doing great work <laughs> at Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, he really was. He was doing a fantastic I, job. I was a big believer in the project. Um, him and the transfer committee. Yeah. Oh. They've been doing it all right. And, uh, yeah, so all in all, it's been, it's been fun. It's been tremendous. Last time we did this, we lost to Chelsea. We did, and I was, I was fearing the worst, I have to say, going into this. Well, one. after Olympiacos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we would have had to wear costumes or something to lighten the mood. So <laughs> <laughs> we've been able to get away with that, thankfully. Just about, just yeah. about. 
So look, what we're going to do is uh, talk a little bit about what happened yesterday, um, talk a little bit about stuff in general, the usual podcast stuff. I mean, this is what it is. It's a podcast. It's just in unusual, strange circumstances with light shining on my face. <laughs> uh, uh, but what we want to do is uh, introduce our guests to you tonight uh, who are going to be here uh, talking about the stuff and answering your questions. We should note that it's in two parts. So we're going to do this first part where we do all the talking and the second part you'll do a really small bit of the talking because we'll get questions and, and stuff from the floor. So, um, the guests. First, who should we do first? What, I don't know. What if I mean, we don't, do? don't make it seem like there's an oh order. Oh, my God. They're yeah, equals, the thing. Andrew, of course. Yeah, yeah, we shouldn't do it yeah, because someone, you know, the precious talent. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Actually, um, one of them did ask to be introduced first, yeah. so maybe do him. Okay, which one was it? I don't know, it's a lie. <laughs> well, what we should do is bring them both out at the same time. You'll know them from their writing. They've been on the Arscast before. We have Filippo Clare and Paolo Bandini. Please. Thank you. Good evening to you both. Evening. What is this you've drawn here? Uh, that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that was Andrew's that's preparation for the podcast. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I drew a man dancing. That's kind of. That, I think it sums up notes. the mood. Yeah, that's pretty much what I do when we record. Anyway, I just sit there doodling while you're is talking. That, is that a Brendan imitating Brent in the famous office scene? It could be actually. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll, we'll, uh, we'll auction this artwork off afterwards. Should we all sign it? Yeah, yeah, we'll do that, yeah. <laughs> we give it to one lucky winner. Then they won't believe what they went home with tonight. So, Philippe, yesterday. Philippe. Yes. It was good. Excellent. Yeah. But we were in the, in the press box. We were impeccably behaved. Yes, of course. Until the third goal. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the beginning, it was a bit like, you know, when Jeeves gets really bad news from Bertie Worcester, there's an imperceptible, <laughs> you know, it's not an Ancelotti, it's just this slight movement of the eyebrow. But at the third goal, there was a bit of a... And then we got back to normal. Yes. Um, it was very enjoyable. It was, extremely. Because I think there was a... a most people would have been slightly concerned after what had happened in midweek that this might be a performance uh, that we weren't necessarily capable of. Um, and I, the first, I, I really genuinely thought that United, having had, you know, three decent games in the league, having done the job against Wolfsburg, uh, looking at the performance against Olympiakos, which was awful, uh, having listened to Arsene, uh, you know, having seen him at the post-match conference, on Tuesday night and having listened to what he said on Friday, I thought, oh my God, this could be really bad. <laughs> Looking at the stats, thinking, okay, since the 8-2 at Old Trafford, drawn three, lost four. So it was, it was pretty horrible. Yeah. And uh, then this happened. It's, it's like a Christmas miracle, but not a Christmas. <laughs> what <do> you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Paolo, 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 hello. Hello. Um, <laughs> Were you, I mean, were you optimistic? Are you going to sit here and say, oh, I saw that coming, 3-0, yeah, it was in the bag all along? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no, I am, as you guys know, unfortunately, I had an assignment covering the NFL uh, yesterday, so I had to miss the game. And there was a point after that Olympiacos game where I thought, well, I can miss this one, that's okay. <laughs> I don't mind. You know, if I'm going to miss a game, then maybe the one when we get humiliated at home by United, that's the one I'm, I'm okay. But no, uh, instead I was doing a completely less reserved uh, imp uh, reaction in the press box at Wembley, which was completely unrelated to events around me. So you were just randomly standing up going, yes! Yeah. And nothing was happening on the pitch. This was in a timeout. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened. Excellent. Yeah. 
And, uh, and the uh, gentleman from the Daily Mail next to me asked what was going on, and I explained it to him, and then you got this sort of weird wave down the press area because other people were also interested. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Uh, I mean, James, the start to the game, mm. um, it, it feels like it's been a long time since we did that, and uh, there's a simple reason for that. It's because, because it it's is. a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that feeling like something has happened because it has happened. Uh, that old chestnut. It was really... God, it was thrilling, wasn't it, to see Arsenal press that high up the pitch and attack with that kind of verb. I think we've seen it sometimes in these big games in the last couple of years, but what was the difference this time was how efficient we were when the chances came. Uh, I was talking to Tim Stillman in the bar just before this podcast, and he reminded me that last time we played United at home, we actually attacked with real vigour then as well. And I remember the City game last season, we also came out like an absolute house on fire, but we didn't have the finishing prowess to match. And what was brilliant about yesterday was, I think it was something like, you know, six shots, three goals or something in that first half. It was just like, oh, three shots, three goals. So there you go, 100% conversion, which is something that's been pretty unfamiliar in the last two seasons. So, you know, creating chances hasn't always been our problem, but taking them has. And that was a massive step forward to see, you know, the likes of Alexis and Ozil do that quite so effectively in the the first few minutes. Mm, Philippe, the goal, the first goal by Alexis. Oh. Oh. I mean, I mean, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Do you remember that film Weird Science oh. years ago? Where, they, where they, they, these two computer nerds, they kind of created a goal and it turned out to be a, a beautiful woman. Uh, or no, they created a beautiful woman on computer. I've got mixed up here completely. But if that goal could have been turned into a, a thing, it would have been a beautiful. Oh, Does anybody this. know what Andrew is talking about? <laughs> Honestly. I know what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm glad you do. I've got literally no idea. What are you saying? If the goal was a woman... It would be very beautiful. Right. Agreed. Kind of. Agreed. I think I, I think I might go home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, no, it, it, the goal was magnificent. Even though I think the most beautiful goal would have been the one that Aaron Ramsey didn't quite put in. Because... Mm. The, the angles were just absolutely gorgeous. And uh, when you say we've seen that on a few occasions, actually I'm struggling to remember a game which was started at such a pace mm. by every single player. And um, especially I, I struggle to remember Theo Walcott having a game like that in an Arsenal shirt. Honestly, I've never seen him play that well. Yeah, I would agree no, with Not that. with the same conviction, energy and, 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 re- and product, even if he didn't score. There was a moment about... I think it was about 10 or 12 minutes into the game where Petr Cech lumped a a long ball forward and Theo Walcott jumped four and one a header. (laughs) And and at that point, I was like, what's going on here? (laughs) Something's changed. And there was another point at which Theo Walcott sprinted back 30 yards and nicked the ball from from Bastian Schweinsteiger with a tigerish tackle. Applause. Got back to his feet. It's, Run it's, forward and had a shot at goal, which was completely wayward. But people we don't are care loving about that, that moment. It's, it's, it's the, what it's, we loved was the sprint back and winning it from the German. It's the, it's the Robert Pires tackling Vieira moment. It's, it's, that, oh, yeah. it's that moment. It's oh, the, it was uh, like that, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean. Also, Thierry Henry, I mean, I'm very wary because I don't want to do the Walcott Henri thing, but Thierry Henry used to do that. When he used to lose possession, he used to hair after it, didn't he, sometimes, mm. and lunge into challenges with a reckless abandon. But it was amazing to see Walcott doing that. And, you know, I think, I, I, I don't know, it, it seems like he's really growing into that role now as that centre forward, which I have to be honest, I did not foresee. I did not see that coming. No. 
Me neither. Did any? I mean, Paolo, did you think? No, was... I, I, I'm on record as saying the exact opposite. So no, I definitely didn't. I, I you know, but it's. I'm, I'm going to apply the, the small moat of Carl here and say, but let's see him do it in, in a game that isn't United before we completely anoint him. But yeah, if he let's see him do it against that, a big you mean team. against yeah. a good team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because they were not very good. No, they weren't. But I mean, how much of that then? You, you know, it's always the case, isn't it? When you play really well and everyone says, well, the opposition were shit. But there's a, an element of us making them look shit by playing so well. Uh, yeah, I think Arsenal shitted them, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you used the word first. Oh, no, that's fine. You can swear all you like. I just had a vision of Louis Van Hal doing a giant Arsenal, you know. <laughs> but I, I've got my mind is in you a strange place to see You know the City fans him. have nicknamed him? What's that? They call him the Hairy Sausage. The Hairy Sausage. <laughs> oh, my mind me. has gone to a really dark place now. <laughs> it really has. Uh, what were we talking about? I don't know. I I mean, what kind of sausages do they have in Manchester? Hairy ones, clearly. Obviously. Um, is there an element of Theo Walcott? Uh, you know, we, we see the players talk all the time about Alexis Sanchez and what he does. And, you know, a player chasing back to make a tackle and, uh, and doing their defensive duty is very much an Alexis thing. Um, uh, and we've seen players talk a lot about how they find him inspirational. Uh, but it's easy to say those things. Uh, more difficult to, to do them, Paolo. Yeah, um, and you know, it's, it's that dilemma we have in the modern game where Alexis Sanchez grew up in a small, tiny place with very little hope, and he worked incredibly hard to get on from that place to achieve things that, in his narrative of his life at least, mm. was about getting to a place of success, getting money, being able to provide for people that he cared about, and things like that, that you don't necessarily get as a player growing up in London who, you know isn't quite in the same situation in life. And uh, I don't know, it's, you know it, that's not the only way in which you can achieve that. But I think sometimes uh, one of the problems that maybe English football uh, can't resolve is, is just finding that absolute desire to constantly be chasing all the time, which sometimes comes from a place that's a bit less tangible. Mm. And what I would add is that it adds to this, which is, I suppose, a characteristic which would be equated with the number of players who come from South America, is that it transforms that into joy which is far, far rarer, which is one of the reasons why I think probably everybody in this room is in love with, with Alexis Sanchez, and I think why people are missing him so much in Barcelona as much, uh, as well. Um, and to see him come back to this kind of level after <laughs> the summer he's had, yeah. and, the, and the summer before this one, and the season he had, it's, it's absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, he is uh, an, an amazing physical specimen as well, though. Mm. So it's worrying. Jesus Christ. What is wrong right. with Here we go. What, what could you possibly refer to? I wasn't referring to his hairy sausage. <laughs> I just mean that he is such a, 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 an amazing athlete. That is probably what I should have said. <laughs> there was not much uh, anyone could have taken wrong from that. And I think that what's really exciting, I mean, what's really, really exciting is the, the combination play we were seeing yesterday or on Sunday between the likes of Alexis, Erzul, uh, and also Walcott. I think, you know, we talked, touched on Walcott before, but I think he deserves credit for the way he's linking up with the, these guys and showing that he can be more than just someone who runs in behind. But I think this is, that's the, like, the really critical thing, because what's funny about this is we're saying the game in which Walcott maybe proved to us a little bit that he can be the striker, he didn't score a goal. Mm. But the point that we've had 
talked about by Wenger a lot before this season and going into this season is kind of need some goals from behind the attack and Ozil yeah. in particular is the player who we've been waiting for him to, to do a bit more of that and so yeah if, if what Walcott can do is make that happen or facilitate that then that's almost more important than him being able to score for us every week definitely I mean if you look at Ozil's goal how many times have you seen Theo Walcott dribble in from that sort of left infield yeah. position and then have a, a tame shot really that doesn't go anywhere but he had the awareness to look up and find Ozil and massively encouraging to see him score a goal because you know Ozil needs to contribute goals if he's playing in that number 10 spot I think it's the single biggest thing missing from his game I think mm. that the whole uh, narrative such as it exists I don't think probably exists that much in this room but outside of Arsenal uh, supporters and followers people who don't believe in Ozil I think a big part of it comes down to the fact that he doesn't have that end product and if he did have that end product I don't think anyone would be questioning him at all mm. I would question the fact he hasn't had end product myself. Well, end product, I just, I just mean goals. I don't mean... Okay, no, he, he doesn't score. He's never scored an awful yeah. lot of goals, be it you know, for Real Madrid or be it for Werder Bremen or be it for, for the national mm. German team. Um, he contributes, I think, far more than people realise. It's one thing, one of my goats. Something that gets your goat? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> um, is that it seems to me that the um, opinion of people who go to the ground and see him in the flesh varies an awful lot from the opinion of people who only see the games on television or the highlights. Mm. They just don't realize the amount of, of ground he covers, and perhaps they can't appreciate the sheer artistry of, the, of his game. The, the way that this guy uses his body to create space is unique. I mean, you pay to see that. Mm. You, you know, there's one uh, ball he controlled at one point, which he literally let glide on his body to find to his left foot and then turn. That's just... It's genius. Man. Yeah, fantastic. I think, oh, and what was interesting about that as well was that we saw him actually uh, be strong. He used his body well yes. and his, his upper body strength to hold off uh, whichever one of that lot it was, Carrick, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, some, <laughs> some guy. One of the two there. Yeah, who were, who were rubbish. They were not very yeah. good. Uh, one, we should have one word for a very important player in that performance because we're spending a lot of time play, talking about this performance, but I think it's right, and I think we should spend more time to give this performance because there haven't been many like these mm-hmm. and it's better check yes look look at this apart from the doodle i have some uh. things written down and on there is is check <laughs> so yeah um hail peter he he was um he was very very good yesterday not simply because of the saves that he made and we can talk about the saves uh james but the the presence and the calmness and the assurance of his handling and distribution uh, was really important, I think, in a game like that where, you, where you're on top and where perhaps the momentum can change from time to time. You need, you need that at the, at the base of your spine. Definitely, and I think that's, the, you know, they say that's often the truest test of a top-class goalkeeper is to be playing for a team who are dominating a game and then make a crucial save when called upon, you know, when your concentration could lapse. And he did that at the end of the first half from Marshall because that was a, a brilliant turn and it really looked like it was going to be a goal. And that really would have been a tricky time for United to have scored. You can imagine the atmosphere in the Emirates would have turned on that, I think. You know, at 3-1, there'd just be that window of opportunity. And as Arsenal fans, we know that that is all that is required <laughs> for a disaster to come flooding through the window and kill your family. But I think... Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it was a... win the league. Br- yeah, <laughs> win the league. But it's a brilliant save. And, uh, you know, in the second half as well, I just felt... As you put it, there was an assurance that his presence brings that, you know, I mean, I don't want to bring the mood down, but maybe it's something that was lacking on Wednesday night. Wait, regardless, or Tuesday night, I forget, but regardless of Ospina's error, there is an aura about Czech um, that, that definitely adds to the team. 
Did you see his reaction at the end of the game when he when he mm. came with Pierre Mertens? With Mertens. Those, I love those two. That they really have oof. it going on, don't they? Like oh, there's yes. a lot of like togetherness with those love. two. Love, love, maybe yes. No, but I mean they do. No, they, they're two senior members of the squad who 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 obviously are leaders who who guide the dressing winners. room. Winners, they've got you know they've got the medals. Those yeah, two, exactly. Um, and yeah, I think that's uh, that's an interesting relationship there. And, and perhaps one of the things against uh, Olympiacos as well was that when you don't have uh, Czech, when you don't have Mertesacker, there was no Arteta on the pitch, just that little bit uh, less calm and assurance. Uh, Philippe, do you think, uh, given the, the selection against Olympiacos and given everything that happened and the reaction to it uh, and the manager's tetchiness to, to being questioned on it, he, he can't then uh, not have learned a little bit of a lesson from it, though? I think you might mean he's not going to play Ospina against Bayern Munich. No. That's, that's if he d- does, um, I'll try and find um, a table yeah. to hide under a sofa, to yeah. hide behind yeah. uh, a, a, a padded cell where I can scream. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he will play Czech against Bayern Munich. He has to. Do you, do he you think to. he definitely will? There's some stories around oh, that he's on, promised Ospina. <laughs> come on, man. Listen, I, I'm with you, but I mean, I read, in the, I read somewhere last week, I forget where, I must admit, that he may have promised Ospina the Champions League group game. I think well, Ospina's well, got a Ballon d'Or to fight for at the moment, so, you know, Good point, he's man. on the long list. He will suffer from the same physical problem that prevented Czech to play against Olympiakos. <laughs> 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 Maybe mm-hmm. ego fracture or something, like that. <laughs> but I don't think he will play. I mean, he can't play. That's impossible. Not in those games. No, Paolo. I think it's possible he can play. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm less optimistic than you, Philippe. But I, I definitely don't want it to happen. And that's you know, I, I don't mean to be overly critical of Aspina because you know, Veng was right to the extent that trying to pin it all on him is ridiculous. There was lots that's of things that weren't his fault. Uh, he is, in my opinion, a a good goalkeeper, but he's not as good a goalkeeper as Petr Cech. And I don't, I really don't understand why you would, in a competition as important to us as the Champions League, not play your best team. Yeah, well, I agree completely. It's a very, very strange decision, and one that backfired. Yes, as the one. I mean, I think we all share the same sentiment when we saw the team sheet against Dinamo Zagreb, and we thought, oh shit, mm. uh, this is not right. We, sh- we are playing against a team that, is, that has gone 41 games unbeaten. They're not a joke team. And we've made six changes. And it could be nasty. And it turned out nasty. And then you arrive at the Emirates and you see the team shit against Olympiacos. And you see the first name you see is Ospina. And you think, no, come on. That's and just short. But that's pig-headedness, isn't it? And, well, and there's an element of just... I mean, pig-headedness is quite funny. In the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but look, okay. we're leaving the David Cameron jokes aside. Okay. Uh, there's, there's just an element of, of psychology to it as well. Like, if you are saying that... If you're saying to your whole team, ah, we don't need our best goalkeeper for this game, then maybe your whole team doesn't play like they need to give their absolute best for this game. And I think that, you know, in the end, that's, that's obviously what happened because... That 11 was better than Olympiacos' 11. I'm not someone, because uh, I write about European football, who dismisses other European teams lightly. Olympiacos, I would take them seriously, but 11 players down that team, there's not one of them who would have been starting on the Arsenal, uh, on the Arsenal side. Not Kasami, Fulham reject. Mm-hmm. Not no. Brownie Deye, West Brom reject. No. Mm-hmm. Not Esteban Cambiaso, great player as he was, but yes. Leicester reject. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. But look, I feel like we're uh, <laughs> the mood's kind of <laughs> calm down. It was a, a great win at the weekend. Yeah, and we are uh, second in the league, um, despite our European our European um, misadventures. James, the the league position is probably one that after the opening game against uh, West Ham and after the defeat to Chelsea, when Mike Dean obviously cost us the three points. You know, people would have said, okay, things are, things are a lot worse for Arsenal, but here we are, we're in second. I know. I, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, actually. I thought things were going to go sour uh, quicker than this, but I think we've definitely been helped by, by the results of other teams. You know, at one point, it looked like Manchester City were absolutely going to stroll away with it, and then they lost a couple of games almost from nowhere. That caught everybody off guard. Um, you know, United obviously slipped up against us. And I think that if you look at the table... There's some surprising teams up there, the likes of Palace, the likes of Leicester, who are superseding expectations. So, although it's now, what are we, October, I do think we're still quite some way away from this table taking its proper shape. Um, sure. I, I think, you know, Liverpool, it, Liverpool sat their manager this weekend and they are three points off the top four. And I think that shows you that it's quite a compressed league and one that's not necessarily reflective. S- six of, points between first and tenth. Really? Six points between first and tenth? Well, there you go. That tells you everything. So I think, I think all the big teams are going to drop points this season, actually. Mm. Um, you know, City look like they're going to either win or lose. They don't look like they're going to draw a game. It just depends if they turn up. Yeah. Uh, it all depends on Aguero's hamstrings, which obviously we all hope snap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> today. I mean, yeah, he's, he's great. Uh, a fantastic player, but, you know, snap, please. <laughs> um, Paolo... Uh, the thing people might ask after what happened yesterday, and it reminded me a little bit of the performance a few years back against Chelsea, uh, when we won 3-1. Um, I think Theo Walcott was, was very good that day as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is why can't we do this more often? <laughs> uh, and not necessarily in terms of performance, because I think people appreciate that performances fluctuate, and, and the, a game can swing your way. Uh, quite quickly one way or the other but just in terms of the way the the team from front to back was completely switched on there was hard work I remember looking at uh, one point in the second half uh, and someone had run past Ramsey down the right hand side and he, he took a moment and he was like oh fuck but he went and he, he, he did his job defensively and he got stuck in and, and so much of um, avoiding danger is, is stopping, stopping it at source, if you like, is, is preventing them from getting into to dangerous situations. So it, it's more about perhaps effort over performance. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's an element to it to which we can play a different game against a team like United than we can against some teams who come to Emirates and, and don't, don't try and do anything. Uh, I think that United... Surprisingly, because Van Gaal you know, isn't necessarily the most adventurous in his, his tactics, they were, you know, they were open yesterday in a way that teams haven't been in certainly some of the games at, at home this season. But there is still fundamentally this underlying issue that I, I, I can't give you the answer to it because it, you, know, you have to be in that changing room. You have to be feeling that dynamic of every day. But it, it just seems that we do this over and over and over again that we don't play to our level anywhere near as often as we should, I think. I think that this performance, if well, maybe I'll be wrong and we'll go on a run of 20 games like this now, but it, I feel like we've seen performances like this before where we go up and then it lasts very briefly and then it's just because, it's almost because we have this performance in a week or two's time, we're like, oh, well, you know, we did that, so whoever it is we're playing now, that'll be easy. And then and it turns out not to be and it just happens again and again. And that's what's so frustrating about the you know the situation with the Olympiacos, but I want to drag it back, is that it was... 
all right, the, the flow of the match was the order of things slightly different, but it was felt so fundamentally similar to what happened with Monaco last year. It was just, okay, here's a situation where we haven't showed up at the beginning of a game we've got behind, and then in Monaco, right, we were still going to lose, but we got a goal back through Oxlade-Chamberlain, and we think, okay, we can at least get out of here with a result that's going to get us to the next thing. In this case, it was, okay, we've at least got back to a situation where we're drawing, we haven't blown this completely, and immediately switch off again. It's as soon as we get in that comfort zone, we just let it go. I don't know why it keeps happening. I mean, that is, you know, that is the, the question that, that needs resolving. At uh, you, you, you have a theory? I don't have a theory. I have a remark to make, which I think is uh, not uninteresting. Is two of the best performances... Here we That's go, why guys. we have you here, <laughs> Philippe. Just try to be humble. Next time no, we're going to put that on the poster. The, two of the best performances in 2015 have come against two supposedly very good teams, i.e. Manchester City at the Etihad and Manchester United at, at the Emirates. And interestingly enough, in both these games, the opposition has had 60% of the ball, which means that Arsenal play far, far better when they're a counter-attacking team than when they're actually in possession of the ball, which might be... A, I think there is a lesson to learn from that. And the, this, I, when, I think we see the best Arsenal when they're not ponderous in possession and go... You know, like a handball team, mm -hmm. like Barcelona had a bad day, yeah. which they're having a lot of these days. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of fun. Yeah. But um, when they can actually spring out, this is when we see the, the real Arsenal, and, uh, which is completely against the, you know, the, the idea of, of Wenger, which is the idea of possession and kill people by having the ball and using it properly. Now that Arsenal has got speed and pace again, it is when they don't have the ball that they're most dangerous, which used to be the case. You know, it's always been an Arsenal characteristic. It was a, a Chapman mm. characteristic. It was a characteristic of some of the George Graham teams. And it was certainly a characteristic of the first uh, Arsene Wenger teams. Counter-attack, lethal. Mm. I, I, think, I think I might be right in saying that Wenger alluded to this in his programme notes yesterday for the Manchester United game. where In quite extraordinary way. Yeah, quite extraordinary. extraordinary. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he, I think he effectively said that, that Arsenal's problems in Europe... Uh, related to the fact that European teams, continental teams, accept that, that they are inferior to Premier League opposition and thus set up their teams in such a way that they are sort of difficult to break down. So uh, that kind of rapid counter-attacking style that Philippe's alluding to is not functional in Europe. Now, if you avoid the sort of extraordinary arrogance of that statement... Uh, there could be something, I mean, there may be something to that. It, Arsenal's best performances of late have tended to come against teams who are prepared to attack them. And to an extent, Leicester falls into that as well. So, so staying with Europe then, and uh, our prospects for, for this season, uh, we have the Interlull obviously coming up, and then we have uh, Watford away, and then just a small team from Germany somewhere, I'm not quite sure. Really? The guy's yeah. wearing funny shorts. Yeah, yeah, those <laughs> So Bayern Munich, do they as a team, do they as a team fit into this category that you've just spoken oh, about? Oh yes, absolutely. The difference so that we're going to we're going to we're going to cream them. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Did Great. you see them yesterday? <laughs> oh, no. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually it was such a slaughter. It was boring. That they, they've, they've reached, I think, such a level that they're actually boring to watch because like Barcelona were a bit like that for a while. Yeah, I think, but they're even more boring than Barcelona. Is that it's even more predictable. So they only four goals. What? <laughs> and uh, no, they, they look absolutely magnificent at the moment. But it is to be hoped that, precisely because they do enjoy this kind of possession game and they try to impose their style, it's not at all the, the 
the Bayern that we saw last season with Guardiola, which at times could be uh, a bit... Uh, I mean, it was actually quite gritty and not very pleasant to watch. This one seems to have reached another dimension. So, I mean, I think it, would, it will be, in any case, an absolute privilege to have them at the Emirates, and it's a bloody good thing they're coming to London first. Yeah. There's two games in a row against Bayern, yep. so... That's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> One of those painful privileges. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, you never I, know. Remember what people said before the games against Barcelona, and which turned out, you know, at least one of them, one of the one of the greatest games in Arsenal's European history. So you never know. And that was a that was a pep team as well. That that Barcelona. So, in general, though, Paolo, what 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 do you make of what might happen in in Europe this season? Uh, do Arsenal have the squad as it stands to uh, to go into the Europa League, for example, and travel to faraway places? Yeah, people love the Europa League. <laughs> um, and travel to faraway places and play at the weekends the way that we want them to play like they did against Manchester United. Sure, because they do it in the Champions League anyway, or it's just moving it a day back. I don't think, I mean, it's only... And you drop in after the group stage, you would be going in, you'd effectively have potentially one more round of knockout games if you went all the way to the final. So it's not, it's not for me, a significant difference on that front. I mean, uh, arguably you could make a case as well that you could use lesser players in that competition. It depends how much you prioritize well, it. That's but worked out well. We know how that's well. worked out, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't have a concern about the squad. I mean, do I think that's where it's likely to end up? The problem is now that unless Arsenal beat Bayern Munich, it's, it's out of their hands. Because if Olympiacos beat the go and beat Dino Zagreb twice... Arsenal can't get enough points without beating Bayern Munich. So, mm. uh, I think uh, yeah, it, it's possible. I don't think it's it's beyond us. But obviously, the way Bayern Munich are playing right now, and it's unfortunate because pretty much as we were just discussing before we came on here, every other league in Europe, you look at the top teams at the moment, none of them are quite firing on all cylinders. We've got the one that is. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 still possible. You still believe? Well, maybe just a little bit. Just a little. Yeah. Philippe, I mean, what do, you, what do you think of the prospect of Europa League football? Should we be sniffy about it? Should we be... No, I don't think so. I generally don't think so. And, uh, but, but should we not also be critical that Arsenal, if they do finish in the Europa uh, League places, have done that based on the stature of the club and everything else? No, I, I, I quite agree. And um, what, what was done against Dinamo Zagreb and, and, and Olympiakos wasn't forgivable, really, uh, because it genuinely is shooting in your own foot with both barrels and both feet, as a matter of fact. So the whole work, you know, the, the works. So it's completely unforgivable. I mean, should Arsenal win twice over Bayern Munich, then draw against Zagreb and Olympiakos? <laughs> no, um, that would be a miracle. But if, if the Europa League comes, you know, play to the full, as um, quite a few teams have done in the past and with great success, and, uh, and I, will, I could use the example of one team, another team in London, which did it with great success. I mean, the least exciting conversation in the world is that we should be doing it for the reason as well of if we care about keeping four Champions League places in England, uh, it's good to win games in whatever competition you're playing in right now. Right, yeah. And it can, it, in the right circumstances, it can be extraordinarily exciting. And one of the, my most exciting experiences as a journalist was to, fo to follow Fulham all the way through to the final of, of the uh, old uh, UEFA Cup. Oh, it was the Europa League already. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, of course, it was fantastic because for Fulham, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Sure. But we've also got some unfinished business in the UEFA Cup or Europa League. I mean, I still remember what happened in Copenhagen. And I'd like our to win one final one day. Mm. In Europe, yeah, the record isn't great, yeah. is it? 
Yeah, there was a time when, you know, the FA Cup was looked upon as a, a secondary competition. And you look at the way that we as fans welcomed victory in that in the last two years. You know, I think a Europa League final would be an amazing occasion. And if you look at the recent roll call of winners, you've got Atletico Madrid, you've got Chelsea, you've got Porto, Sevilla. These are big clubs. You know, this is a, a competition which... I mean, look, we've got to not come fourth first in the group, uh, which I, I don't know if we'll manage. But uh, should we end up in it, I'd kind of hope that we would have a, have a stab at it because I'm not sure it's right that you drop out of the Champions League into Europa League. I sort of I feel odd about that, that you get eliminated from a competition and then put in one where you've actually got quite a high chance of success. But if you do get that break... Why not take advantage of it? Why not take it seriously? Yeah, give it a go. I mean, you, look, you have to win the games and you have to uh, try and build momentum in whatever competition you're in. Not ideal, but there you go. No, there you go. There you go. Uh, Philippe, any uh, comments on um, Jose Mourinho's uh, interview this weekend? Well, I'm supposed to be um, an, a neutral, objective journalist. Um, <laughs> of course. Who is subjected to a regular abuse from a number of supporters of other clubs and sometimes Arsenal fans. Uh, it was absolutely extraordinary. I, I do think we've seen, um, I think we've gone into another dimension, another Mourinhoan dimension. Uh, is that up until last Saturday, I think we could still explain everything by the kind of Machiavellian, diabolical, satanic um, <laughs> attempt at manipulating the media and the club and Abramovich well you can't manipulate an Abramovich I wouldn't try anyway no. his players this was the moment when it, it went beyond that you know he, he broke the wall mm. that's it the, uh, and I genuinely think now there is an element of madness within the man <laughs> <laughs> I think you're... To I be absolutely right. objective. Yeah. And, um, and also there is an element of projected madness in those who try to justify this madness. And it's very interesting to talk to some of my friends who are Chelsea fans, because I do have friends who are Chelsea fans. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Let's be inclusive. Yeah. Let's, let's have some outreach. Well, we have family uh, Chelsea fans here, James. Hey. And yeah. the, it's the efforts that these people who are otherwise extremely rational and sensitive are trying to make to try and justify the unjustifiable. And you t he starts with the referees. He said, well, Southampton should have had two penalties, right? Well, yeah, but ours was a penalty or whatever. And yes, he's the best manager we've ever had. Okay, maybe, perhaps, and so forth. And how do you justify all this nonsense? But they will find ways. And now they say that he's now at a point where he's going to prove that he's the best in a different way, so that he's going to be the worst in the best possible way or something. I don't quite <laughs> understand. But they would explain it to you much better than I can. But I genuinely think that on that occasion, it just went, you know, it went that little step. You know, the, the guy who was... Uh, who was riding over the great void, suddenly, I don't know, he fell. And he's now, this picture, the slow motion of a... I don't know if the parachute is going to open. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I want it. <laughs> so it, it was an extraordinary performance. Does, does his style of, of management, uh, Paolo, make, make it very difficult for him to turn things around? So we know Arsene Wenger is a nice guy and he likes to to treat his players like adults, and then if things go wrong, he can 
you know, give them a bollocking from time to time, and they go, oh, we'll do it in the next game, and then they beat Manchester United 3-0. Uh, whereas Mourinho, if you're an absolute asshole the whole time, nobody believes you if you're being nice. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, Not I to put you on the spot or anything. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess the, the thing with Mourinho, can he turn it around? The problem is we've never seen him do it in his career. Every time things have begin to, begun to tip, he's gone somewhere else. Yeah. So we literally have no reference for if he's capable of doing anything in this situation. The fact that it's even gone on as, as far as this, you're beginning to think, well, this is weird. Shouldn't he have left by now? And, you know, Madrid, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's this awkward point we're at where you sort of don't know what's going to happen, which makes it great viewing. But I don't know, I don't know is the answer. He, he's never done it before. Mm. James, any thoughts? <laughs> on Jose? <laughs> no, it is bewildering to me, I mean, what's happening. But it's classic Mourinho, you know, three years and out. That's how he works. And... I do think he's just such a volatile individual. I almost think that when he's comfortable, he can't help but self-sabotage to an extent. He can't help but pick fights. He can't help but make enemies. And it started right back in pre-season. He was complaining about fitness levels of Chelsea players. He was having a go at Arsene Wenger. You know, just picking fights unnecessarily. And it feels like he's just thrashing around, as Philippe says, in a a kind of madness, in a kind of fury. Um, It's great to watch. Uh, (laughs) You know, people often say he's blocked, you know... His box office, and never more so than now. Uh, this is him at his most entertaining. Long may it continue. But uh, I fear it won't. I fear it won't. I feel that the, the implosion will reach its sort of ultimate point sooner rather than later. And um, Ranieri will take over a chance. Ranieri will time. return. The Tinker Man, once again. Yeah. After Dead Men Walking, the return of Lazarus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zombie football managers. This is, the, <laughs> this is the new thing. Well, look, we've been chatting for 45 minutes. Uh, so I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break, mm-hmm. uh, 15 minutes, grab yourselves a beer. We're going to come back and uh, do our Q&A in part two. Cool. Cheers. Thank you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, one, two. Oh, yeah, this is on. Nobody, nobody's listening to us. <laughs> They're not listening. <clears throat> what news? Hello Just, again. We've got on. news. We've got news, apparently. Um, Jose Mourinho has been charged by the FA. 
<laughs> Thank oh, you to Stuart for giving us the information. Uh, for, for anything in particular, just being a wanker or... <laughs> Something like that. Yes, okay. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. That will, that will certainly uh, improve his mood. be great to watch him have another breakdown on live television in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Great amazing. start to the second half. Yeah, you, you will have noticed that James is now here, down in front. I'm not allowed on the stage anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're worried that your misfortune might befall us, and as you're standing right under a speaker there, I might suggest you yeah, take yeah, a step yeah. to the left. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a technical guy, guys. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is the part of the show where we, uh, we uh, normally we take questions on Twitter um, with the hashtag ArsCastExtra, but of course saying hashtag in real life is, uh, that's bad. <laughs> so nobody do that. But we are going to take questions from you guys. Um, so if you do have a question, I, I guess it's a bit schooly, but I guess you have to put your hand up uh, so James can see you. Um, or some other weird way of communicating. I don't know. Do a no, dance. I, I think hands is probably the simplest way. <laughs> it probably is. So if you do have questions, stick your hand up. James will make his way to you, and you can, you can ask the question to F Philippe and Paolo and, and me, maybe, I guess. All right. Should we give it a whirl? Yeah. All right, there's a guy in the front row, and given his proximity, he's, he's got a good chance of getting the question in. <laughs> right. Hello, mate. That's you. What's your name? Alex. Great. And what's your question? My question is, given the struggles of Liverpool following the loss of their star players, especially Count Dracula, do you, do you think uh, Wenger should be given more respect, especially when we lost likes of, kind of Fabregas, Nazri and Van Persie for keeping Arsenal in the Champions League year after year? Well, funny enough, we sort of just, as we came off there, had this little conversation about, um, about how Mourinho can sustain love for two years and, and what Arsenal have had this habit of doing is this, you know, win one game really well and not sustain the level week to week? And then you ask yourself, what, what's better? Is it to, to win something and, and then have a horrendous season right afterwards? Or is it better to, to always be there? And, I mean, it is incredible. It is incredible what Arsenal have done because no one else has done it. And that, you know, that really extends, not to every league across Europe, but lots of leagues across Europe. You can look at big teams that have not been able to sustain being in the Champions League every season. The problem is it's still frustrating. You know, you can... You can I'm not uh, one for a second to take anything away from that achievement, but that doesn't mean that as a fan, you don't still get mighty mad when you lose to Olympiacos at home and it's all heading towards another meaningless crashing out too early. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, getting into the top four year after year with people like Danielson and Bentner and Boué, I mean, that's... I think hindsight will be quite kind to Arsene Wenger in that regard. You could say that. You could also say, on the other hand, that um, this participation in the Champions League led to uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, a final that we all remember, mm -hmm. but that it has dropped a bit in the last few years when you, would have, you could say that there was actually an effort made in the recruitment. Uh, I haven't been too lucky, of course, with, uh, with the draw except last year. <sighs> But yes, no, it's true that a series, you know, like 16, 15 or 16 seasons on the trot, uh, g getting out of the group phases is pretty astonishing, really. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like Paolo. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated because so many of the teams I've seen in Europe, I thought were very close to doing something very special. I thought the 2007, 2008 team was very close to doing something very special. I genuinely think in Paris, and we were together, Stuart, weren't we? 
we really believed. Mm. And, uh, but our belief was in vain. So, yes, by all means, we should recognize that as being a remarkable achievement. But also, you've got to compare the way the clubs are run. It's not entirely due to the manager. It's also due to the fact that there is a consistency uh, within Arsenal, whether you like it or not, but the regime has been stable. Liverpool has gone through incredible upheaval with the change of ownership. Let's not forget the two cowboys, Hicks and Gillette, the role they've played in that. And I thought they did a great job. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I know what you mean about yeah. Yeah, what we should do. So it's yes, but, no, but, one of those. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It's good for the coefficient. <laughs> Sorry, it makes me laugh. People talk about the coefficient. Um, it's, but it, it lacks a little bit of sparkle. And we, what we're hoping for is this bit of sparkle, right? Yeah, and Europe has become a bit underwhelming for us. Yes, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit um, tarnished, I should say. Mm. All right. Have another question? Uh, okay, let's go down the aisle here. Here we go. Hello, mate. What's your name? Simon. Um, what's your question? Has Gabriel done enough to displace Kshelny uh, or Mertesacker when they're all fit? Ooh, that's, that's, you know what's great about Gabriel is that we're having this conversation about whether he can displace <laughs> Mertesacker or, or Kshelny. Like, for too long, it feels like we haven't had any real depth at, at centre half. We've had some good options. Uh, I think Kshelny and Mertesacker's partnership is, is fantastic. Uh, but I think it's brilliant that he has come into the side and made a case that A, he can play with both of them. He works with both of them. Um, and I thought maybe we've seen perhaps Koscielny and Vermalen, who weren't necessarily a great partnership because they are quite similar. I think Gabriel uh, and Koscielny are quite similar in the type of player that they are. So it's great that he's, he, he can slot in alongside him. Whether the, you could break up that partnership yet, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I think, it's, uh, I think it's great that there's a challenge to it. And the pecking order has got to change at some point because not that either of them are uh, over the hill, but they're not getting any younger. You would say Koscielny is probably the best defender at the club, you would say in absolute value. I would say that Per Mertesacker is the one who um, gives me the most confidence and whom I feel has the greatest presence and is the true boss. On the other hand, there's one thing I love about Gabriel is that he loves defending more than anything. He's a proper defender. And um, which is not necessarily a quality that you would associate with some of the defenders, central defenders of the past we've had at that mm. club. And um, yeah, uh, should we play three at the back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> the things that Kosciani does tend to have some injuries, and he does tend to get suspended too. Yes. So, um, but I like the dynamism of, of, of Gabriel. I'm, a, I'm, I'm surprised because I'd seen a bit of him at Villarreal, not an awful lot. I wasn't sure he would fit in as quickly as he had. And the fact that he can play either on the left or on the right in a central part, the partnership is priceless. Mm. So I, I don't think the time has come for him to displace any of those two players. I think it's still our best, mm. uh, honestly, still our best uh, pairing in central defence, Mertesac and Kosciani. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think Philippe's nailed it for me, to be honest with you. And I think that for, the thing that... I think when I look at the best defensive partnerships that I can think of, and it's a two like that, you do have someone who is the more physical presence, someone who is the more distinctly uh, there to, to, to play that role of being the, you know, the hard man, as it were, 
Uh, and then you have someone who's a little bit quicker, someone who can bring the ball out. And I think that Mertesacker and Koscielny just pair up very nicely in that way. And that's not uh, a knock in any way on Gabriel, who's done really well. But I just think that stylistically, I can't take Mertesacker out for that reason. And as you say, in terms of who's been the best for us, it's Koscielny right now. I think they'll both get lots. I think all three of them have got, are going to get lots of games. I think there's no concern over that over the course of the season. They're all going to get to play. Mm. But probably for me, my first choice is still... Um, so I don't know if you saw the video that someone put it on Twitter earlier of uh, Gabriel celebrating Alexis's goal. It was <laughs> like he's just running along and obviously Alexis scores and then he just goes... <laughs> <laughs> and he's on the halfway line. <laughs> it's brilliant, and I like that. I like that aggression that he has, and we saw it with with the Costa thing, and perhaps it was a little bit misplaced. But you know, there is a there is a sense sometimes that we have been a bit too nice as a team, and we need to we need to give a bit back from time to time. And he looks like a guy who's prepared to do that, and also eat your children. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that answers that one, James. <laughs> Uh, let's have let's have Stuart actually. Come on, come up here. Right, go on. Ask your question. Uh, if you had magical powers and you could swap the results and the performances of the last two games, what would you do? Is that all the magical powers can do? <laughs> well, just just those. <laughs> so Olympiacos and, and Manchester United. Three nil Olympiacos, magical football, and then rubbish on Sunday. No. Okay. Like I, uh, look, I'm sure the people of Olympiacos are, are, are very nice. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any uh, beef with them, per se. But what we have is like a big, long history with Manchester United. And there's something about domestic competition that, that makes you want to beat them. And if, if humiliating Manchester United comes at the expense of a European adventure, you know, I'm kind of prepared to go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I probably would have taken a defeat to Olympiacos if you'd offered me 3-0 against United, genuinely. Because yeah. I have no real sense that we can win the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that would be. No, I know, it's strange, isn't it? It's just a hunch. Uh, and, and which, I mean, you know, we're a very long way from doing either, but if you were just going to win one of those competitions right now, Premier League. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't change it. Philippe, you're staying quiet. Yeah, I'm, 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 more, I'm, I'm more divided. Um, I... I I think I would probably agree with you. One over the Manx, you know, it's great. Um, three is even better. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, it was such, such a disappointment on Tuesday. And I still think that it's a very, very open Champions League this season. Uh, because none of, the, apart from Bayern, but they might have a blip at some point. Apart from Bayern, none of the supposedly big favourites are exactly firing. And you're thinking, we've got, you know, I want to see this cup at the Emirates somewhere on the freeze at some point in mm. my life. Not in my next life, when I'm <laughs> a cockroach. Um, I'd love to see it at some point. What have you done, Philippe? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about this later. All right, off air. All right. But... Um, I would put it differently. If by beating Olympiacos 3-0, we qualified and then went on to win the Champions League, definitely, mate. <laughs> definitely, Stuart, I will invert the results. Otherwise, you, you have to sure. remember that you have magical powers. So you could probably So there you go. I'll do that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> 
Okay. Problem solved. Uh, here we go. I'm going back. I'm going further. You can cut this bit out later, Andrew. I'll make him work for you. I won't. <laughs> All right, hello, mate. Let's have your name and question. Noah. If Walcott is our confirmed number one, I wouldn't do we play get anyone goal. better in, the, in Christmas? Terrible idea. Hang on, let's, let's go again, because there was some confusion where it seems like Walcott was now playing the part of David Ospina. Hang on. <laughs> right. Let's, let's go again, Noah. We'll go again. If Walcott is a confirmed number one striker... Ah, yes. Do we get someone better at Christmas? Ah, do we need someone better than Theo Walcott if he is the number one striker? Is there someone better than Theo Walcott or Olivier Giroud available anywhere at the moment that could be re- could we be bought? Not even at a reasonable price. Yeah, in the middle of the season as well. That's that's the the question. Yeah, because if you want if you want that player, he's got to come from a top European club, a Champions League club, and if the club if the uh, club is still in Europe, yeah, I mean it, it makes it very difficult. It was interesting. Um, somebody. Uh, Somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who, but he, he, was, he was at an event in Denmark. Pat Rice was there, looking very well, which is great. Um, but Pat Rice was talking about how Arsenal were in for Benzema in a big, big way uh, until Real Madrid decided, no, he's not for sale at any price. Um, now, things might happen at Real Madrid because it's not going very well. At no, I, he, I saw him today. He's, he's very unhappy with uh, Benitez. Yep. That's, um, that tends to happen quite a bit with players. <laughs> um, so whether he, he will be available but I mean it, you know is Karim Benzema the 50 million pound man but also is he the 50 million pound man in the middle of the season I mean to, a, to an extent my answer is predicated on what happens in the games between now and then because if Theo Walcott's played well and we're top of the league then no but if we're seventh and it's going horribly sure yeah, yeah why yeah, not yeah. Yeah. Charlie Austin come on <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I'd say, you know, I think you bring Benzema in the middle of the season. It's going to be very hard to integrate him and make him a productive player immediately. So it's not it's not easy to do that. And be I successful. mean, there's one of the biggest shortages of high class quality strikers in European football that I can remember. There are very very few of them around. I mean, yeah. they're probably a dozen maximum. And, and, and I mean, even Benzema, I mean, Benzema, Higuain, these are players who I don't look at and they don't make me think, oh, he's going to do what Aguero's done. They, I still think they're a little bit below that level, yeah. which is which is exactly where we're at. Philippe, do you think uh, Benzema could be the guy? Benzema could be a good guy? The guy. No. No, you think no? No, I don't think so. I've I've always had doubts about Benzema. I I, I look at the statistics, they're absolutely phenomenal. Uh, He's perfect for the club he's at at the moment. He's the perfect foil for, for Cristiano Ronaldo. But I also see Benzema with the French national team. Uh, every time there is something really important at stake, it disappears completely. So, no. I mean, I'm really not, um, I'm, I'm not a fan. This is going to get me into serious trouble. <laughs> <laughs> the one, the one, but he's not a typical striker. There's one French player, and I keep going on about it, but unfortunately he's injured at the moment. It's Nabil Fekir. Mm. Now, he's, he is a real top, top quality to use a vengerism. But he's not an out-and-out striker, is he? He's more no, of a wide no, player. he's more of a wide player, wonderful, wonderful player, wonderful creator. But he can score as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So he's the guy. I don't know. But Benzema... <clears throat> and also, um, some people have said, well, if you've got Benzema, you can play a 4-4-1-1 or a 4-4-2. Well, we tried that with France, with Giroud and Benzema. It was a disaster. Every time. Mm. They can't play together, and they hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> 
can we take the last sentence out of the podcast? <laughs> no, it's too late. <laughs> it was a joke, Olivier. And uh, what about Fekir's... It's uh, a joke. Fekir's strike partner, Lacazette, is he... No, n- not the right level. Really? Nope. Walcott's superior to Lacazette, you would say? I don't know, because... I don't know. I'm still making my... I mean, I, don't, I still don't have an opinion of Walcott as a number nine. Mm-hmm. If he plays every game like he played against Manchester United, he's one of the best strikers in the country. True. I mean, it was a fantastic performance. If he plays like some other games I've seen him play, he's not one of the best strikers in the country. And like I said, is a player... Uh, people will throw stats at me, and I always say to them, when you're talking about a striker, take the penalties out of the equation, then you realise that almost half his goals have come through penalties. First thing. Second thing, uh, he's done it in a league where the constraints and, and the demands are quite, not quite the same. I don't think that technically he's also at the right level. He's a very good player, but he's not the kind of player a club like Arsenal should aspire to get. There we go. All That's right. that sorted. Uh, another question. Um, I'm going front row. I'm getting lazy again. <laughs> Hello, mate. What's your name and question? My name is Steven. Uh, I have a question for Philippe, who in the past said that uh, uh, Arson was a jazzer, uh, set the tempo. Do you think that's still true, or do you think he does tactics? More than days? ever. No, no, he's a jazzer. I still, more than ever. I stand by everything I said in the last live Arscast, and I won't repeat it because you can listen back to it. Yes, you can. And yeah. So that's one more listen yeah. for this gentleman here. Yeah. who will earn massive amounts of money. because With of that, that one listen. With that one listen. Yeah. No, no, he's still a jazzer. I don't think it's changed at all. Uh, the way he talks, and again, uh, James, you, know, you were talking about the, uh, the, the, the program notes. Uh, when he was to- it was all about the way his team was playing, and it was unfair that the other teams were lining up in order to counteract that, which is really <laughs> funny. And um, he still has this belief that he wants players to express themselves. And to be fair, when we, saw, when we see what we saw on Sunday, you think, actually, I quite like jazz. <laughs> I do like jazz anyway. <laughs> I can take it or leave it, really. Yeah? Yeah, I'm not a big trumpet guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Another question? Can you imagine? Uh, Pear could go. be on the double bass account. Back Johnny Mingus. Yeah. You guys chat about jazz while I we will, navigate yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alexis can be on the piano. Do you think Alexis will be a piano player? He's, I, he's, he's not very me. good. No? But he's trying. Well, Peter, Peter, Peter Cech is on the drums. Peter Cech is the drummer, yeah. We bring back Gilberto Silva, who can play the ukulele. Yeah. So it's a kind of old-fashioned jazz thing. It's more rack time. <laughs> Paolo, very quiet. Obviously hates jazz. Right, okay. <laughs> Hello, mate. Let's have your name Paolo and question. Paolo Bandini. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have your name and question. Uh, my name is Kapil. Uh, it's about Nacho Manreal. Is he the best left-back in the league? Yeah. Well, I, I sat right in front of him for the second half, and I watched him closely, and he, he was superb. Superb. The way he read the game, the way he challenged for aerial balls. He's strong. He's quick. He organizes, which is interesting as well. And I just think the consistency of of his performances over the last six months, nine months, have been, have been fantastic. I'm reluctant to give a definitive answer because now I'm trying to go through every team in my head and never think. Uh, and so the easy answer, we go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, who, I mean who's, who is there? 
Shaw, well, he's. I mean, he's Shaw's, done. Shaw's the Shaw's, good. Shaw's the obvious person yeah. who springs to mind, but he's not he very better? good at the moment, no. is he? So yeah, <laughs> he's sort of. A well, he's bit. not. He's... <laughs> Aspilicueta, nah, he's a good player, but very yeah. good, very very good player, but not in the best of places at the moment. No, no. He's a, <laughs> it's quite evil there, I believe. Yeah. Some dark magic going on. Um, we are, we think, are we forgetting any? Schlup. A left field shout there. For Jeff Schlup. Jeff Schlup. Kolarov. Oh, he, yeah. he's a bit of a beast, isn't he? Yeah. Cliche. Gail Cliche. Wow. A retro suggestion there. <laughs> uh, no, I think. I think give it... Huh? Nobody. Nobody. I like him, actually. Yeah, we signed him this summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Right, another question. Uh, 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 all right. Hello, mate. Let's have your name and your question. My name's Mike, and my question is, whenever he does come back... Can we expect anything from Danny Welbeck, or is he always going to be behind the other two? Go, Paolo. Well, can we can expect things from him? Yeah, he's going to play. Of course he's going to play. Um, I, I don't see any reason to think that uh, any more than beforehand we're going to suddenly have 11 players who will be healthy and start every single game when we compete all these different competitions. Is he going to start? Well, I'm going to, you know, trying to hold judgment a little bit just because we had a great game to assume that we're going to play like this every week there may be chances for him but I don't see him in our best 11 I don't I don't I don't think I did even before he was uh, he was injured I don't think he was one of our best 11 players he's, he's a good player he has a part to play it's not it's not an outstanding 11 Arsene Wenger seems to like him quite a lot though I picked him regularly last season, the second part of the season before the injury yeah. kicked in. He was, he was picking him ahead of Theo Walcott, who is now the number one striker in the world. Uh, you know, so... As is well known. What's funny, though, is that, is that what Welbeck gives you is kind of what we've just been praising Walcott for, which is that he doesn't score... Well, I'm actually Walcott is scoring a lot at the moment, but yeah. you don't think of him as a guy who is a great finisher necessarily, but he works hard for the team, he creates opportunities for people, he puts himself out. That's exactly what we've just said. Walcott, we liked best about him against Man United. So he can do it, um, absolutely. And he's got the ad- advantage of when you do get in those situations, which we, I feel like we've been in quite a lot recently, where we're just trying to put crosses into the box. It's a little bit painful when it's Theo in there and you know it's going to go straight over his head. So, you know, there's a little bit of, of something to be said for that. I think he'll, yeah, again, I think he'll have a role. I don't think he'll be in the first 11. Philippe? I would be in almost complete agreement uh, with Paolo here, and um, yes, he will play a role, but good grief, are you going to take, I mean, normally, if you don't play him as a number nine, you would play him on the left, probably. Do you want to take Alexis off from the left? No. No. No, No, I don't want to do that. No, 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 we don't want to do that. (laughs) Um, Because he is quite good, Alexis. It's not bad. And he's, um, a, he's, he's an incredible physical specimen. <laughs> <laughs> On the right, it's between Ramsey and uh, the Ox. Mm-hmm. And perhaps Theo, if Giroud is back um, up front. So, no, it's a tough one. But he will play. Yeah. He will play. But, no, to come, to come back uh, as a starter, I find it quite difficult to think of that. James, same I feel Jack, like we're... Uh, same for Jack Wilshire, by the yeah. way, which is, you know, the name we... Daren't mention anymore. Mm. You just did. 
I Maybe did. it's like Candyman, though. You have to say it three times and it'll appear. <laughs> Jack <laughs> and he'll be Wilshire. fit. Jack Wilshire. Jack Wilshire. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Not there, James. Any thought? I mean, I feel like we're, you know, we're missing your insight here, guys. I'm with my people. I'm having a great okay. time. Um, I love Danny Welbeck. I sort of love him a dangerous amount. Uh, no, I, I think he's, I think he's brilliant squad player, and I think he will have a role to play. Like, I, I think we actually miss him off the subs bench because at the moment, without Welbeck, Wilshire, and Rosicki, who are all three players who can inject a bit of tempo into the attack. And I think that you feel that absence slightly. I think bringing Giroud on is not not quite the same thing. Um, So I definitely think there'll be game time for him. It's tricky because in theory, he's like like an ideal composite centre-forward. He's got some of Giroud's attributes. He's got some of Walcott's. The problem is that he's just not prolific enough. And I think, you know, we all hoped that that would change. But I I, I have my doubts. So I do think when he does get game time, it may end up being uh, on the flanks or, or as a substitute. All right. There we go. Off you go. Okay, your off I go again. Ranching. Um, go deep, James. Go deep. Go deep. Okay. Go deep. You've got a lot of cable there. I have, haven't I? It's exciting. Although the feedback gets a bit weird around here. All right. Can you just come here a bit? Because I've, I've run out of cable, contrary to Andrew's boasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, we've made it. Look how much cable we've got. <laughs> right, hang on. Let's have your name and question. Sure. Uh, my name's Ricky. Um, and my question is, there are often moments... Uh, watching Arsenal, where I, I, I relive them and I get goosebumps and my eyes well up. And one of those ones is seeing uh, Henri score against Liverpool in the 4-2 win at Highbury. And I was just thinking, you know, wanted to know from you guys, what was the moment that you can watch over and over again that makes you either well up or get goosebumps? Overmars at Old Trafford. That's a great one. Overmars at Old Trafford. Every, every, every time. There's so many. There's, there's so many. Um, and it's, it's difficult. Brady to Tottenham. Which one? Top corner. Otherwise, Thierry's goal against Leeds in the FA Cup. That was very, very oh. special. Yeah. There's a man here who did a thing about that. He did a, a great put-together big uh, audio thing about that, which is well worth a listen. Um, I'm trying to think of one that, that does that for me. Um, probably involves Robert Perez somewhere. Pretty much every Robert Pires goal. James, you think of one, and I'll, I'll try and think of one. Uh, I, think, but, uh, I think both the Jumberg and Parler goals in the FA Cup final against Chelsea, but obviously I've got very personal reasons for that with uh, my Chelsea supporting brother. But, uh, yeah, I think particularly Ray Parler's strike in that game uh, was one. And then another one is the Patrick Vieira goal against Leicester City on the final day of the I was season. just going to fucking say that. <laughs> If you will, let me go first, Andrew. You will pay the price. Um, yeah, just because it was so... It was such a perfect uh, sort of manifestation of the way that team played, the weight of that Burkamp pass, and the fact that it was the captain who went through and finished it off. I think that would definitely be up there. Have you okay. managed to... Yeah, I've got one. I've got go one. on, then. I've got one. Uh, the, the Reyes goal in the 5-3 against Middlesbrough. Oh. Just the... Oh, I've got goosebumps there now thinking about it. So there you go. Yeah, that was uh, an amazing game. I think that was one of those goals where they were still replaying the previous goal and then they cut back to it and he was about to score. Yeah. They're always the most exciting. Yeah, they're great, <laughs> aren't they? There was like that one um, that fella scored against Tottenham. Remember? There's two goals in a minute. Some guy and some other guy. Yes, I can't remember who they were. but <laughs> Vieira against Charlton when he was suspended, when he was about to be suspended. Oh, yeah? And he, was, he had the anger of God in his... <laughs> 
in his body and his soul. And he scored twice that day, didn't he? I don't I remember. Do you remember this one? No. He had already got one red card and he got a second red card. Or was that against Liverpool or something? Something like that. Yeah. Against I the remember Muck Smasher. Yeah, those yeah. Muck Smashers. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, we could carry on a long time, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, a yeah, long yeah. time. There's a like few, that. is the conclusion. Uh, let's have another question then. Uh, All right, we'll go over here. Hello, mate. Um, could you come up this way? So, what's your name in question? Hello, my name is Kerem. Um, do you see Ramsey moving into the middle sooner rather than later? Middle of what? <laughs> <laughs> the British political divide. Yes. He looks like a... Aaron Ramsey, the man who might fuck a pig in the head, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looks like a reasonable candidate for a kind of hipsterish, new Lib Dem sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But Ramsey... Yeah. Actually, Ramsey, that's politically speaking, you know, there have been a few people called Ramsey. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Ramsey Lewis, but. Um, or well, Gordon neither Ramsey. was I. But, uh, no. Well, there's somebody called. No, there is somebody called Mesut Ozil who plays there and who on his day can be godlike and I think is far, far better than people give him credit for. And where. So, if Ozil is injured or unavailable for other reasons, putting Ramsey in the middle um, makes complete sense. Do you move Cazorla forward and play Ramsey deeper? Or? No, that hasn't worked. I mean, it's been tried. Uh, actually, isn't that something of this kind that we tried against uh, West Ham? Some mm-hmm. kind of combination like that? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it worked out really well, didn't it? Uh, so, but no, I mean, in, if, if Ozil is fit and available, I can't see possibly how... Ramsey could fit in the middle. If you're thinking of a 4-2-3-1, of course, because some people I was, were thinking about 4-4-2, and perhaps in this, in this combination of 4-4-1-1, maybe you can have Ramsey with another player in the middle of the midfield. Yes, possibly, but I don't think that Arsene is going to, to go for that at any time soon. No, and I think that's, you know, what you've touched on there is, in the end, you need to put a player who you've spent your club record money in, in the position where he's best able to succeed and where Ozil can best succeed is right behind the attack and so yeah there's, there's, not, there's just not space in, until you do something different tactically there's no space right there you go I don't see it either at the moment yeah. no Coquelin and Cazorla seems to, to work nicely and maybe Ramsey is sort of a new Ray Parler in that sense it would require no? a change of hairstyle the Welsh Palais <laughs> the Welsh what? the Welsh Palais the Welsh Palais yeah yeah where's he come from? is it Cardiff? Wales the Cardiff Palais <laughs> Cardiff. Caffilly. The Caffilly Pellet. It doesn't have quite the same ring, does it? So it's an educational podcast as well. Right. Um, <laughs> let's have another one. Where are we? Where are we? This one's nicely and conveniently placed. Here we go. <laughs> um, I'm Mark. Um, do you think Carl Jenkinson can come back and stake a claim in the Arsenal squad or team? I think the Debussy situation is interesting, isn't it? Because he's going to be, you know, very unhappy at uh, his, his lot at the moment. Especially at the moment, I mean, with the Euro coming. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, Awful. he's on record. Um, but he can't be unaware of the fact that Hector Bellerin is, is better. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of his long term... You don't have to comment on this because you've already lambasted half the French national side. It's something, actually, I, as, as not God, but as my listeners in France, who am I going to join in not too long, yes. are my witness. When Bellerin made the team, 
I told th them, I think Mathieu Debussy has got a serious, serious problem. There's this young guy coming through the ranks at Arsenal who is bloody good, who, in the, when he's attacking, is far, far better than Debussy, offers far more, and who is improving constantly in his defensive duties. Uh, it's a really, really big problem. And uh, is Debussy a better defender than Carl Jenkinson? I think so. Uh, will Debussy accept? No, no, no. As a defensive player, I think so. He offers more security. As will he accept to be in the situation for very long? I don't know. But Paolo, is it, will Carl Jenkinson come back and having played two seasons of first-team football at West Ham and, and done well, will he, despite his Arsenal affiliation, and I think everybody really likes that, will he be prepared to sit on the bench and, and be a bit part player? Uh, you know, he might, but I don't see why he would for his career. I mean, he's still, you know, at the point of his game, if he was, if he was now 32, you'd be going, well, sure, come back and, and, and write it out, enjoy yourself. But it seemed like a waste for him to do that. And, it, and yeah, it, it is a waste for us, really, because especially now that we don't even have as urgent a need for extra cover, because he you know, could slot in sometimes at centre-back. We don't even have that urgent need that we did maybe before. It, there's, there's not a spot for him, again, until, unless Debushi really kicks off in January and says, I need to leave and go somewhere I can play, and then maybe you have some need. But it's, it's not an obvious situation for him, is it? No. no. I, I can't be the only Arsenal fan who, every time Hector Bellerin plays as brilliantly as he has been, has that horrible twang of his Barcelona DNA <laughs> creeping into play. Too, <laughs> too soon, James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I worry about that. I think it could come sooner rather than later. Danny Alves is surely not long for this world. Five. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Maybe. You never know. Did, it, anyway. did he play at the weekend, by the way? Ah, oh, really? Danny Alves, no, he was not in the starting 11. Oh. Is, that, is that good news or bad news? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go. Who's next? Uh, oh, that's ambitious, but let's try. Okay, come on. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. Come on, mate, help me out. Meet me halfway. Hi, Ollie. Um, if you look at the teams that have won the Premier League for pretty much the last 20 years, do you think that maybe Arsenal lack the physicality to win the league in a match, uh, like a week in, week out basis? I mean, this has been coming up for us ever since Vieira left, basically, hasn't it? You know, uh, have we got that? Uh, when you're asking, of, I can see Philippe's doing it, so I would probably just need to stall right now while Philippe counts through all 20 of the last league winners to see if he can find one to disprove the point. Uh, because I haven't given myself time to do that. But I, I don't know. I think I don't, this feels to me like a weird season generally. I think that just it just everything about the start of this season feels off. I mean, you've got West Ham beating the teams that you expect to finish at the top of the table but then not being anyone else. You've got Palace up there, you've got Leicester up there, you've got Chelsea um, gloriously failing. Uh, <laughs> you've got everything just not quite right. And so I don't know if, if my usual expectations of everything are a little bit out the window. I think, I think worrying specifically about physicality to me doesn't, doesn't seem like the point because... All it is going to come down to in the end is, can we be better than those other teams? And do I think it's possible for Arsenal to be better than the other teams? The way the season started? Yes, I think it's possible for them to do that. I don't know that physicality is a reason that I would say no. I mean, it's not as physical a team as the Invincibles. 
Um, actually, very few teams have been, were, or will be. Mm. Uh, but it's not that deficient in that particular department. I mean, you know, Montreal is, is okay. You look, Kosciani and Matasaka are big guys. Coquelin is very strong. Um, Ozil is much stronger than people think he is. Uh, Alexis is a wonderful physical specimen. <laughs> and uh, so, so is the ox. So is the ox. Uh, Giroud is not exactly... Uh, yeah, but I reckon I could take Giroud in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Just give him a kick in the ankle. He's lying there. You're doing that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm joking. If he's listening... No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's as much of a problem as people... You know, the, the, the old idea of Arsenal being out-muscled. Um, if you look at the other teams, I mean, I would say Chelsea, perhaps the old one, uh, physically, yes, had a definite advantage. This is no longer the case. Uh, Manchester City, I'm not convinced of that. They've got you know people who b- put the boot in, like Fernando and Fernandinho. Yaya is big, but doesn't use it. Um, I, Liverpool I, I think are I might... irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might qualify it with that, for me, the one player who I maybe think we can't lose and do it for this reason, is Coquelin. Yeah. I think yeah. that without Coquelin... Because, yeah, we, we may not be the most physical of that group of teams, but actually we have got some physicality in the middle of the park with him, and if he wasn't there, then I would be, I'd be a bit worried. It's, it's an amazing... Song, I'm, I'm not the world's most physical man, but I know I'm a man. That is a song that I only recently <laughs> tweaked the lyrics to. Really? Yeah, I was just... It was on the car, and I was like, oh, fuck, that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah. I felt quite ashamed because I'm, you know. Physical man, but I know what I am, and I know I'm a man. Lola. Thank you yeah, very so. much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we've we've gone off on quite a tangent here. Um, so, uh, James. Hello. No, I am still out here, guys. Don't worry. Hi. I'm just I'm just mingling. Um, right. Any questions around here? While I'm here, here we go. Hello, mate. Right. Uh, hi, I'm Jamie. Uh, given our struggles in the Champions League, should Joel still get out while he can? <laughs> Very good. Should Joel Campbell still get out while he can? <laughs> um, yes. Uh, or, or no. I, I don't know. It's a, Who is Joel Campbell? <laughs> He's part of the, uh, the, the soup family. They make a delicious range of tinned uh, meals for one. Can you imagine a kind of anti-Warhol print of yeah, Joel yeah, Campbell? Yeah, Joel Campbell. All he needs to do is, you know, score a goal or... or I mean, does, does it tell us something that, uh, you know, against Olympiacos the other night, Arsene Wenger puts him on with five minutes to go when we desperately need a goal? I think he put it... You generally put it in when there was one minute to go in the past. So that's an improvement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget, though, guys, it was a difficult night for Joel because he was playing against one of his million loan clubs. <laughs> so there's a bit of emotional conflict there. Yeah. That explains it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, any more questions? Here we go. Oh, oh, got one right here. Very keen. Here we go. Oh, sorry, my name's James. Um, transfer window, I'm a bit of a transfer whore. So... Who can you sign, dream signing, and who will we sign in January? Uh, dream signing, Arturo Vidal, but it won't happen. Yeah, but, but, yeah he's, he's just gone. No, um, dream signing, I'm, I have a bit of a probably disproportionately high opinion of Edinson Cavani, which 
I have always thought that if we were going to get that one striker, he is the one who I really would go out on a limb for. I think he is just... I don't know. He, a few years ago at Napoli, he was an absolutely barnstorming player. He's had a slightly weird period at PSG where he's had to play second field to Ibra. It seems like he's getting back to being who he was. I think when he's at his best, he's physical and he's a very good finisher and he's just exactly what I think we could ideally have at the top of that 4-2-3-1. I don't know. and It's just so difficult to look around Europe and see... I mean, there's the obvious candidates, but you're, you're never going to get them. No, there, there's um, one, though. I mean, just, sorry, I just thought about him because he used to play for Arsenal. And when he played for Arsenal, he played rather well. But he left the club in rather acrimonious circumstances, to use the uh, usual expression. And he's been absolutely fantastic for Marseille lately. And it's Lesson Adira. Really? Yep. Wow. He's been absolutely fantastic. I thought you were going to say Bentner for a second. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I think this is the one this is the one department where you really could do with some cover yeah. and he, he can do a Coquelin job no, absolutely no, no doubt about that and uh, I think he's learned from his pretty erratic behaviour shall we say in mm-hmm. the past and he's come back to Marseille with the idea of really trying to make it this time it's not too late but okay. he's been absolutely fantastic will Arsene go back for Lasana Diara? We'll see. I, I, I know this is not one to set the pulses racing, about no. that of Lassana's Diara's agent. All right, we've got about five minutes left before the batteries run out on the recorder, if they haven't already, so let's get a couple more in before we go. Okay, last couple. Uh, yeah, all right, let's try going down here. If the, guys, if the cable gets stuck, just, like, feed it for me. Right, <laughs> lovely. Was it you? Oh, it was you. Hello, mate. Hi, I'm Dan. Can I get each of your top four predictions for the league? In the right order, or... Uh. Arsenal, Leicester, Palace. (laughs) (laughs) Swansea. All right. Um, I think City, Arsenal, Manchester United, and who the fuck else is there? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it'll be a miracle. Dick will come back again and, and regenerate some of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm loath to say Chelsea just because they have the, the squad to kind of get themselves out of the trouble they're in. I wouldn't write them off. But maybe if um, Klopp gets into Liverpool and gives them a kick, they could do it. Yeah. Um, City. Listen, we don't know what order this is. Hang on. <laughs> Arsenal. United. Everton. Ooh. Just a bit different. Wow. Okay. James, come on, you're not getting away with this. Oh, I thought I had. No. <laughs> Um, After stealing my goal. Yeah. Uh, City champions, yeah. I think Arsenal second, runners-up. United. And with a heavy heart, I think Chelsea. I think they'll squeeze in. Okay, last one. Last one. Last one. Last one. I'm going to stay where I am. Here we go, mate. Hi, my name's Richard. Um, If you're in Arsene Wenger's shoes and Man City follow up the interest in Jack Wilshere next summer and make a £30 million bid, would you accept it? Yes, Straight in there. No, I mean, just being realistic, yes. And I do hope that 
he does very well elsewhere. But I think it, it's, it's very unfortunate. But how, how much is bad luck and how much is just uh, fundamental weakness? I think fundamental weakness is unfortunately part of it. I mean, this constant relapses is just... You don't know what to do, especially with the type of game that he plays. Mm. I, I genuinely, I mean, of course, like everybody in this room, I hope I'm completely, utterly wrong. Um, one of the things, if you talk to any sports doctor, he will tell you, like, knee problems, you get over them quite easily. The most difficult problems for any players are ankles. And he seems to have constant prime with those. And, um, which is really uh, awful when you think of the kind of form he should for England, for example. Mm. Uh, but there is only so far you can go. I don't, I don't think, by the way, if an offer came for him, that Arsenal, Arsenal would accept it. I think it would stick. He will stick by his player. So I'm just talking out of all emotion. I'm taking all emotional attachment out of the, the answer. I mean, so I basically agree with all of the logic you've just argued. On the other hand, I mean, what are we doing with that 30 million? I mean, it's not that we're New short New contract for family. <laughs> so... Maybe just to be spiteful, no. But I mean, there's not. Uh, there's, I, <laughs> yes, yeah. If that was if that was an option that I could, you know, use that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you're not going to do anything with it, then I, mean, I suppose no. But if you have something else in mind, then sure. The other question is like, why would they? pay £30 million for a player with, a, with an injury record like that. I mean, I'd love to see him do it. I think Arsene Wenger, having given Abu Dhabi every possible chance to, to get fit and have a career, will give Jack Wilshere the same opportunity in the sense that he'll, he'll stick with him until it becomes absolutely impossible to do that. And uh, yeah, so uh, I don't see it happening and I don't see anybody bidding that amount of money for him anyway. So, so there. James? Yeah, sell him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I do think that, I mean, the difference with Diaby is that he didn't have that kind of value. And you do wonder in this age of homegrown quotas and cities of exorbitant wealth if they might do something silly like that. If they did put that amount of money on the table, I think it'd be very difficult to argue against accepting it. Because even if Wilshire's fit, it's very hard to see you know, where he sits in our, in our best team. Right now. Right now. Yeah. Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for coming out tonight. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. If you could give a big hand to our guests, Filippo Clare and Paolo Bandini. Thank you. From... Uh from myself and James, uh, thank you very much for coming. Obviously, thanks for listening in the first place uh, and listening every week. We, uh, we really appreciate that, even if James in his underpants is an image that none of you will be able to get rid of. Um, any final thoughts, James? Just that we probably shouldn't do a video one where I'm at home. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, we'll leave it there. Let's, uh, let's have a beer and a chat, and uh, thanks again for coming out. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 